Dominus Vobiscum, Lexio Sancti Evangelii secondo Matteo. The Pharisees went off and plotted how they might entrap Jesus in speech. They sent their disciples to him with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are a truthful man, and that you teach the way of God in accordance with the truth, and you are not concerned with anyone's opinion, for you do not regard a person's status. Tell us then, what is your opinion? Is it lawful to pay the census tax to Caesar or not? Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin that pays the census tax. Then they handed him the Roman coin. He said to them, Whose image is this, and whose inscription? They replied, Caesar's. At that he said to them, Then repay to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. Verbum Domini. Take a moment, please. Make sure your cell phone is turned off. Apaganos teléfonos celulares, por favor. As I've mentioned before, if someone arrived now or even later in the Holy Mass, stayed even till the final blessing, they would not fulfill their obligation to attend Holy Mass on Sunday. Why? Well, the gospel is an essential part of the Holy Mass. It cannot be skipped. But um, after this Mass, we still have another Mass at 8 o'clock. Um, it's brand new. We added it about three years ago. So it's brand new. <laughs> I still get people say, really? It's a secret. It's in the bulletin. Page four at the bottom of page four, you see tomorrow is the Feast of St. Paul of the Cross. Maybe uh, you might remember in the past when I was a kid, we had these great preachers come once a year to give a parish mission. They wore a heart, a red heart on, a, on the black cassock, and they were the Passionist Fathers. Um, they would, everybody would just pack the church on Sundays when they knew they were coming, and then Monday through Friday, they would just line up for confessions. Um, um, they'd get you laughing, and then they'd, they'd make you really, oh, that, they'd stick you. It was really something. Everybody loved them. That's why we got rid of them. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the, um, they're not around anymore. They, um, they, they had the recipe for success, and then they decided to change it, kind of like back when some dim bulb at Coca-Cola said, you know, everybody loves Coca-Cola. Let's change the recipe. <laughs> Remember when sales went like <laughs> that? Anyway, uh, Coca-Cola rebounded. The Passionist Fathers did not. But tomorrow, I left it out of the bulletin. Tomorrow at 6 p.m., there's going to be a communion service. Deacon Davis will have a communion service. Then at 6.30, the Women's Guild will have their meeting over in the Education Building. Sorry about that, ladies. Uh, Wednesday on page 5 um, says, uh, Today is the Feast of St. John Paul II. Never before have we had this feast day. He was just canonized April 27th of 2014. And October 22nd, 1978, uh, St. John Paul II was installed as Pope. I know it sounds like a dishwasher. He was installed as Pope, and um, it was my first year out of high school. Um, so it just seems like yesterday. But uh, friends, this is a day filled with grace. 
So the things that you have on your list, oh, I really need prayers for this. I really need prayers for that. Here you've got someone, uh, especially uh, for these difficult times. I remember the first three words of his homily on the day he was installed. Be not afraid. And they seem, they seem like very good words today. They were the words of Jesus again and again to us. Be not afraid. So uh, now look over on page 7. The Women's Guild has uh, a new book for their book club. If you would like to come and uh, uh, read the book with them, um, you can. It's Wednesdays at 10.30. You can read more about it there. Look on page 9, 10, and 11. I've got an update. This was last week in the bulletin, but I want to show you an update because on page 9 it says um, that uh, on Monday, September 29th, the Feast of St. Michael, St. Gabriel, St. Raphael, the Archangels, that was the day we heard about the first victim identified with Ebola in Dallas, right? When was the second individual named? It was last Monday. That was October 13th. Friends, remember last Sunday I talked about how October 13th, 97 years ago, was the great miracle of the sun at Fatima, witnessed by over 70, 75,000 people, with another 20, 25,000 people seeing it too, so about 100,000 people witnessing it. Um, the, uh, there are experts who have studied Fatima, and they say that the angel of Fatima was St. Michael, the archangel. Yeah, Oh, look, there's a connection. Now, read down there at the bottom of page 11. Uh, so last Monday, October 13th, when Nurse Nina Pham was identified, we find out that Nurse Nina Pham um, attends Mass at Our Lady of Fatima in Fort Worth. Huh. Fatima. Huh. huh. Okay, friends, here's the take, the takeaway for you. Listen, um, Ebola is serious. Um, I mean... Roy City isn't thousands of miles away, is it? Um, and and they closed two schools down there uh, for a while. That could go some. That could go other places, right? Um, friends, my takeaway on all this is that our Lord and Our Lady are consoling us with these um, dates, um, the ones that are listed on page nine, ten, eleven. Oh, you mean I got to read three pages? It must be very difficult living with you. Anyway. Um, <laughs> It's very consoling, these three pages. So uh, take a look and, and tell other people. Now, some other people are going to say, who? Say, Michael, who's that? Well, you're going to have to do a little explaining. But isn't that what Ricky always said on Lucy's show? There's going to be a lot of explaining to do, right? So it's nothing new. <laughs> look on the back page. The back page of the bulletin, um, the... Um, Month of November, it's the month, the entire month is slated to pray for the dearly departed. Everybody here has someone in their life who has passed away. And we have an obligation to pray for them. Also, at, at the end of Mass, um, we still have, well, well, this year on Palm Sunday, I ordered extra palms. These used to be fresh green palms. Um, they're no longer fresh or green, but they are palms. And they were blessed on Palm Sunday. I ordered twice as many this year. Because I thought in case we had a bad storm season over the summer, I would hand them out. But we didn't have too bad of a storm season. But as I mentioned on pages 9, 10, 11, this is like a storm. Ebola, enterovirus, yeah, it's like a storm. 
So um, when I was a kid, whenever we got palm at, uh, at church on Palm Sunday, we would put it behind the crucifix at home. Maybe you do that. Maybe you've got some of this at home anyway. So um, parents, I'm talking to adults. I'm not talking to children. But parents, if, uh, if you see that there's anxiety rising in your home, take some of the palm, take maybe two or three inches or, or more, and cut the palm, and then, you know, with like a metal uh, cake pan or aluminum tray, um, um, as you're saying some prayers, burn, say, two or three inches. Now, you don't want to give this to a, a kid, especially a B-O-Y. They love to burn everything, right? I, I know, I was a kid, right? I was a B-O-Y. Anyway, so uh, wherever the smoke goes, the blessing accompanies it. It's like the holy water that you use when you come into church. There's a long blessing for holy water. And when you put the holy water on yourself, you're, you're spreading the blessing all over you. Like the smoke that we use at Mass uh, for the incense. You know, we've got those charcoals and they're lighted. And then the incense is put onto the burning coals, which produces smoke. And the priest blesses the, uh, the incense. Everywhere that smoke goes, it's taking the blessing. That's pretty cool. Um, and I'm sure, anyway, if you want uh, to take some palm at the end of Mass, uh, just uh, they'll be handing them out outside there. So uh, this Mass and the next Mass, and they're gone. So um, I encourage you to take them. Uh, it's not magic. It's not magic. Um, it is uh, part of our faith. So uh, um, the... Uh, Let's, let's make use of all these consolations that God gives us, right? The, um, okay, now for, oh, I forgot to mention, wow, the uh, Knights of Columbus, congratulations to you. The Oktoberfest was a complete success because uh, I'd like to thank all of you men, women, and children who made it so. In one way or another, you talked it up or you went there. It's too bad the weather wasn't good yesterday. Instead, it was perfect. It was perfect. I mean, we've all been to Oktoberfest when it's been raining or cold, and somehow the Knights of Columbus still pull off a success, right? But it was perfect yesterday. The, uh, so uh, I encourage you, I encourage you um, uh, to uh, um, watch over the next 12 months the charity that the Knights um, uh, distribute over the next 12 months, it's all from this day, from the Oktoberfest. Yeah, the money they raised, and boy, some of the knights are walking around just barely able to move. I'm so tired. I'm so tired. And those are the young ones. They, uh, <laughs> they, uh, uh, it was a complete success. And you know, isn't that, isn't it great to have good news when there's so much bad news around? I also forgot to mention, um, uh, a few years ago, a friend of mine gave me this uh, image from the Danbury Mint. You see right under Our Lady of the Rosary, there's a small uh, image from the Danbury Mint of Pope John Paul II. I waited until, you don't know, I wanted to bring him out earlier, but I waited until this day to bring him out so uh, you can come up and look at it uh, after Mass. Um, after this weekend, I'll put him back in the in the cry room behind one of the glass doors. That way the B.O.Y.s can't get to them. Because the, um, you know what happens when the B.O.Y.s get to them. They, uh, I didn't break that. I didn't break that. I think that was 
the only thing my grandmother's ever heard. I didn't do that. I didn't break that. <laughs> the, um, okay, now for the homily. From the gospel, Jesus said, no, St. Saint Matthew says, knowing their malice, Jesus said to them, why are you testing me? You hypocrites, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Did you know that the word hypocrite comes from Greek? It means an actor. Um, the, uh, I wonder if those people in Hollywood know that. I don't know. But anyway, I have a friend who's an actor, and he's not a hypocrite. He used to be on Walker, Texas Ranger. But we all have to recognize that on any day of the week, you and I can be hypocrites. We can say one thing and do another. We can take different roles. Uh, we don't have different roles. We have one role in life, and so we shouldn't do, we shouldn't say one thing and do another. Um, you know, all this talk about uh, Saint John Paul II. Um, back when um, in 1986, I went down to Houston to study for the priesthood. The last three years, and down there teaching us, there was a priest from Canada. Um, He's of the order of St. Basil. He's a Basilian priest. Um, Father Miller, J. Michael Miller. Um, he wrote a couple of books on some of the earliest encyclicals of Pope John Paul II, put out by our, our Sunday visitor. So if you type in J, initial J, Michael Miller, you'll find these these things are huge. And he, he writes a great introduction to every one of those uh, letters or encyclicals. And um, he, he taught us, I think I took three classes from him. We used to call him Killer Miller because he was so tough. And we were hypocrites. We'd say, oh, he's a great teacher. I'm not taking him. <laughs> right? He's a great teacher. I'm not taking him. The um, No, he was very good. He's now, well, after... He was teaching us. Then he went on to become the president of St. Thomas University in Houston. Then for many years, he went over to Rome and was the assistant secretary of education for the Vatican. That was a, that was a bad move. He should have been made the secretary of education. I bet they heard that Killer Miller was coming and they made him assistant instead. Right? And after that, he was named Archbishop of Vancouver. So it's back to Canada. So here's a man who taught me, and um, he just kept going in life, right? Going right to the top. Great priest. Um, but one thing um, Killer Miller used to say to us, he said, uh, well, see, uh, he became pope in 1978. He died in 2005, over 25 years as a pope. Um, the... Um, um, He's written so many things before he was even Pope. And after Pope, he wrote so many things. He gave so many talks. He taught so many people across the world. And all of those things are written down. Think of every time he gave a talk or wrote something as a tree. He planted so many trees. In, flat, in fact, he planted a forest, didn't he? And Killer Miller, back in 1986, that's 19 years before he died, Killer Miller said, later on, after he's dead, whenever anyone writes anything about life or death or suffering or fill in the blank, um, they're going to have to walk through the forest of John Paul II. Uh, he was right. 
Uh, you know, the Catechism of the Catholic Church is a good example. You look back in the back where the index is, the Catechism of the Catholic Church came out in 1994. Um, and there's everything mentioned there. Uh, who, who brought us that? St. John Paul II. Um, so Killer Miller told us that in the future, when somebody wants to write on priesthood or bishops or deacons or suffering or women or marriage or the family or fill in the blank, they're going to have to go through this forest. I'm going to come back to that here in a minute. Um, his name, John Paul II, named for the Pope, Pope John Twenty-Third, who started the Second Vatican Council in the early 60s, and for Pope Paul VI, who ended the Second Vatican Council. Now, the Second Vatican Council went on for about three years in the 1960s. And the last couple of weeks, people have been telling us in the media, fa, 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 fa. And they've been saying that the Senate of the last two weeks is equal to the Council. Okay, a few years and two weeks. What are these children writing this? Let's see, two weeks equal a few years. No, they don't. A synod is equal to a council. No, it's not. But anyway, I saw it on the news. I read it in the paper. It must be true, right? The, um, so um, the last couple of weeks, people have been saying a lot of stuff about the synod on the family as if it was the first time anybody ever mentioned the word family in Rome. Huh? 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 I'm sorry. I'm speaking in Italian again. The, uh, uh, he wrote all about the family. Um, he spent the first three or four years out on a chair in front of St. Peter's Basilica every Wednesday. He started up the Wednesday general audiences. And what was he talking about? Family, men and women, sex. Um, yeah, yeah. And all that's written down. It's a forest that anyone who wants to talk about the family um, or these other topics, or any other topic. He even, wrote a, he even wrote a letter to artists, to actors. He used to be an actor himself. He wasn't a hypocrite, but he was an actor. Um, it's just amazing. So um, um, the um, killer Miller was right. Um, and I want you to think about that. I want you to think about um, John Paul II. Now, he was named for John the Twenty-Third um, and Paul the Sixth today in Rome. Uh, earlier today in Rome, Pope Francis beatified Pope Paul the Sixth. Let's see, venerable, blessed saint. So now, uh, Pope Paul the Sixth, uh, who died in 1978, he went from venerable to blessed. So what is the church saying about Paul VI? Saying this, right? Two thumbs up. Um, in the 1960s, something happened that many of you might remember. Some of you have never heard of it before. But there was this question about birth control, contraception. And so Pope Paul VI, um, isn't that a great name for a pope? Right? Forget this John Paul stuff. How about Paul VII, right? Yes. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the, um, so in the 1960s, Pope Paul VI, he went to bishops and cardinals and priests and doctors and scientists, and he said, look, 
I want you to use the Bible, and I want you to use our Catholic faith, and I want you to study this issue about contraception, birth control. And the panel came back, and they said this to birth control, two thumbs up. But they didn't have any reference to the Bible or to the church's teaching, you know, what Jesus said in the Bible through his church. So um, Pope Paul VI received it, and this is what he did with it. After he read it, he put it to the side. He sat down, uh, rolled up his sleeves, and he wrote um, a letter, 33 paragraphs, called Humani Vitae, on human life. Guess who helped him write that in 1968? Yeah, he was a cardinal from Poland, right? And he helped Paul VI write um, that letter. Uh, you mean... You mean the Pope went against the experts? Well, yes and no. You see, Pope Paul VI said, I want you to use the Bible, and I want you to use the teachings of Christ through his church, and I want you to study this issue of uh, the pill. And they didn't do what he said. So, uh, yesterday, yesterday, um, you uh, it's like when a newspaper makes an error. Uh, weeks and weeks later, they make a correction. It's on page 19, there at the very bottom in itty-bitty print, right? So um, that's the kind of thing that happened yesterday. Yesterday, the final report, the official report of the last two weeks was published. Um, and it's very interesting what happened over those last two weeks. It was the Synod on the Family, not the Senate, like the House of Representatives and the Senate, it was the synod, or a meeting of bishops. Now, Pope Francis gave the bishops an order. He said, I want you to be frank and honest in your debate about these issues concerning the family. I want you, and he kept, he used a, a word, I want you to have bold proclamation, frank and honest about this. Well, after the first week, um, on October 13th, last Monday, they, um, they published the first unofficial temporary report. Unofficial temporary report. You see, back earlier this year, the Pope um, asked Cardinal Walter Casper to kind of head up everything. Uh, Cardinal Casper has been writing books since the 1980s. I've been reading his books since the 1980s. I don't recommend you read his books because me and my friends, when we read his books, um, and they're, they're nice books, they look nice, and it's translated into English. He's German. Um, don't hold that against him, so am I. Right? Anyway, Cardinal Casper writes these books and me and my friends, when we read them, we'd like, well, to, well, to quote Scooby-Doo, yeah, that's, anyway, so earlier this year, Pope Francis asked Cardinal Casper to kind of head things up and get things going and organize things, right? Well, on, on Monday, just days ago, tomorrow will be a week ago, um, Cardinal Casper was there when the unofficial report came out. And boy, were a lot of bishops and cardinals mad. <laughs> and they had really good reasons to be mad. You see, in 2,000 years in the church, 
Every time we've had a council or a synod, every day uh, they publish who said what. Who, which bishop, he said this. That bishop, he said that. Like yesterday, I heard yesterday, three, uh, um, Reggie Jackson hit three home runs three times at bat in the same game, right? Um, when you go to a ball game, you want to know what your favorite player is doing. When you hear that there's a meeting in Rome, you want to know what your bishop or that bishop is doing, right? So this time, first time in 2,000 years, they gave a summary, an overview. Here's another thing that they'd never done before. Before the bishops and the cardinals saw this temporary, unofficial summary, guess who got a full copy of it? Yeah, me. No, no, just kidding. <laughs> no, guess who got a copy of it, a full copy of the unofficial temporary report? The press. The bishops, oh, they, they were mad. <laughs> they had to have been mad. Um, and that's when, well, that's when, in my opinion, that's when frank and honest debate got started. <laughs> Up until that point, they were all just sitting there, smiling. Right? They look great, right? But there wasn't this frank and on, there wasn't too much of this frank and honest debate going. In fact, the archbishop, who was the secretary appointed by the Pope, he gave the unofficial report on Monday, and he did something nobody's ever seen before because the unofficial report was signed by this archbishop. Then he turned to the guy sitting next to him, was an archbishop, and he handed him the report and he said, and now you see these three paragraphs? I'm going to let Archbishop Forte, Bruno Forte, explain them. He wrote them. And in the room, everybody went, <laughs> right? The, uh, the, uh, I'm sorry, I'm using a lot of Italian today. The, uh, <laughs> they, they were like, what? Now, he wrote those three paragraphs on his own. Those three paragraphs are the ones that got reported. I'm not going to tell you what the three paragraphs are about because you've already heard. They're, they're the ones that get all the news. Kind of like, remember on Saturday Night Live 100 years ago, that little lady, she'd say, never mind. Well, that's what we got yesterday was never mind. You're not going to hear that. Um, after that meeting, Cardinal Casper left that room, and he was walking through the Vatican. He lives there. He spends a lot of time there. And three men, three reporters, came up to him, and they greeted him. Now, Bishop uh, Cardinal Casper gives a lot of interviews. You could say that the most dangerous place to be is between Cardinal Casper and a microphone. He loves to give interviews. <laughs> anyway, he gave an interview right there on the streets of Rome to three reporters, three, three reporters right there. And, they, of course, they got the report, and they went back and they typed it out, and they sent it out. One of the things in the report... Um, that got a lot of attention. Cardinal Casper was asked questions about Africa. Um, you, how many on the direction, on, you know, there are a lot of Catholics in Africa. Africa and South America are the two um, continents that have the most Catholics in the world. And, and how many Africans were on the directing board of this synod last two weeks? 
Z. Yeah, that's right, zero. So these reporters were asking about that, and Cardinal Casper gave a very honest answer. But it's his answer. He said essentially, um, well, you know, the, uh, the Catholics in Africa and in Asia, stop right there. If you take the Catholics in Africa and you combine them with the Catholics in Asia or the populations of Africa and Asia, you combine them, that's about half the world's population, isn't it? That's a lot of people. So here's what Cardinal Casper said in the interview. He said, well, you know, the, um, the way um, the Catholics in Africa and Asia look at these issues is very different from the way we look at them in Western Europe. Friends, friends, that sounds very bigoted. And you know why it sounds very bigoted? It's bigoted. Um, so that went out to around the world. And Cardinal Casper was one of the central men around this synod. And this came out on Monday. It was explosive. So what did Cardinal Casper say when all of that got around the world? Cardinal Casper said he never gave an interview. He didn't say those things. Um, well, then the men came forward. These three men have families, they have jobs, and they're honest men. And they said, well, here's the tape. Uh, oops. More Italian, right? Oops. Right? Well, then Cardinal Casper said, they didn't tell me they were reporters. You know, you know the old saying, when you realize you dug yourself a hole, the first thing you should do, stop digging. It appears that Cardinal Casper is still digging. I hope he took Sunday off. Um, Cardinal Casper, it was just revealed that Cardinal Casper had some very specific things about the bishops in Africa. Cardinal Napier. What a great bishop from Africa. Cardinal Napier got up, and I think he got up on the, on the anniversary that he was elected in 1978. Cardinal, Cardinal Napier, in perfect English, he just said things like this. He said, excuse me, but this is totally um, unacceptable. This, all these things that I've just listed. He said, there's no reference in so much of this to the Bible. And the last 40 or 50 years, the Catholic Church has been really big on sharing the Bible with our Protestant friends around the world. No, uh, no references to how these changes are going are based in the Bible or on church teaching like the catechism. And another another cardinal stood up. Now, this cardinal was in the last few months, he was named by Pope Francis to be in charge of the economy of the Vatican. Cardinal Pell. He's about 18 feet tall. And he's Australian. And you know, here in this country, when an Australian says anything, we'll buy it. I'll, I'll talk some more. Talk some more. Right? We just love to hear the Australians talk. Well, Cardinal Pell got up and he said, welcome to the state fair of... No, that's about how tall he is. Anyway, Cardinal Pell got up and he just led into him and he said, um, every day we've been here and we've had meetings and we are going to publish what bishop said what and what day. And you know what? What he said, that happened. Um, Cardinal Pellet, when he was younger, used to be a rugby player. And, you know, you don't mess with rugby players. Uh, Cardinal Pell was mad. 
Cardinal Napier was mad. And now we're going to turn our attention to the bishops from Poland. They were mad. They just pointed out that that he spent his life over 25 years as pope talking about all these things, not one reference to St. John Paul II. Wow. You're never going to hear this unless I tell you. Well, Father Paul was really mad today. Friends, if you think I'm mad, you don't know me. I'm, I'm glad. They finally got around on Monday to frank and honest debate. That's what Pope Francis asked of them on day one. It took them a week, I guess, to get warmed up. But once they got warmed up, what did the Pope do? Well, very soon after all this broke, Pope uh, Francis named Cardinal Napier from Africa to be on the committee to draft yesterday's final official report. And uh, a Bishop uh, Hart from Australia was named also to that committee. Uh, there were some very loud signals sent over the last two weeks. Um, friends, Killer Miller was right. He wrote about everything. He spoke about everything. And you know those bishops in Africa? You know who the main teacher was for those bishops in Africa? So we're just going to throw him away. Just going to toss him out, right? No. The same thing goes for Asia. That man gave 20, over 25 years of his life um, to teaching, nonstop teaching, like Killer Miller, teaching again and again. Um, and we're just supposed to, as Catholics, we're just supposed to be hypocrites and say, well, I guess we've never dealt with the family before or these other issues before. I'm not going to go into the issues because they need to be studied, well, with references to the Bible, references to teaching of Christ and his church, then we can move on to whatever they want to talk about changing. But if you don't talk about the Bible and you don't talk about the teaching of the church over 2,000 years, what other popes have said, what Paul VI said, what John Paul II said, St. John Paul II, blessed Paul VI and others, and, and Pope Benedict is not chopped liver, um, we're hypocrites. And if I come to you today and say, you know, we had a synod, it was two weeks long, and yeah, it made the papers, but everything's fine, I would be a hypocrite. And I struggle with being a hypocrite anyway. Um, you probably do too. We cannot be of two faces about this. Um, I love Pope Francis. And I love the fact that Pope Francis said something that I perfectly agree with. He said, I want frank and open debate. And he got it. Finally, he got it. You know, after a week of them just sitting there smiling, some of them asleep, kind of like some of you right now, um, he finally got them uh, to open up and be frank and honest about it. That's when the truth is served. He is the truth, the way, the truth, and the life. So I'm very encouraged by what I saw at the Senate. I'm not encouraged about these other things that I mentioned. I'm not going to harp on them. And in a year's time, they'll be back for round two. But a synod is very different from a council. But people, once they, once they, um, once they get, they hear the temporary, the unofficial report, 
Boy, that's all they're... Uh-uh, no, I heard it. I heard the Pope change this. I heard the Pope change that. You've got enough ammunition right now where you can go and try to teach. Um, every time John Paul II, St. John Paul II gave a talk or wrote a letter or um, gave a teaching, it was like planting a tree. It's a forest. There is a forest, a thick forest. Uh, shelves after shelves are taken up by the things he wrote and said in over 25 years, plus what he said before he got to Rome. And he was right there all through the Second Vatican Council, teaching and intervening and helping. I'm so, I love Pope John Paul II. I, I absolutely do. I love Pope Francis. But we cannot, as Catholics, we cannot be hypocrites and just say, well, I guess it's changed. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> no. Um, uh, this ties in with what I was saying earlier about Ebola. Friends, so many people have absolute confidence in in government, local, state, national government. As an adult, I've never had faith or confidence in government, local, state, or national. Why? Because I know the people in local, state, and national government are just like me. They're weak human beings. Now, do I like certain individuals in local, state, and national government? Yes. I like the ones who do their jobs and do it well. And the other ones, I wish they'd get out. And how do you know which ones are which? Well, you have to you have to stumble on them and find them. You find someone on the local, state, or national level who, who helps you, boy, you found a prize. But you're going to have to kiss a lot of frogs before you find that prince, right? Why is it any different in the church? And if you can see it in the church, why can't you see it in local, state, and national government? Look how this whole Ebola enterovirus thing has been handled. Well, at Presbyterian Hospital, all of a sudden, obviously they did not follow these rules. Or, and obviously on the county level, they didn't follow this. And obviously on the, on the state level, on the national level, and they're, and they're surprised. I'm surprised they're surprised. I'm not surprised what happened in Rome over the last two weeks. Those men are exemplary men. God bless them, and let's pray for them. But some of them... Are, are are rolling up their sleeves and getting on to work. Other of, them are, other of them are just coasting. That's fallen human nature. I can do it. You can do it. We have to fight against being hypocrites. Jesus, Jesus uses the strongest language against hypocrites. Knowing their malice, Jesus said, Why are you testing me, you hypocrites? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Pope St. John Paul the second died on Saturday night. It was Easter. Um, it was the Saturday after Easter. It was Divine Mercy Vigil. Of course, he's the one who gave us Divine Mercy Sunday. The next week, I think it was Monday, the next week, I was listening to a man who's a conservative Jewish talk show host. And this is what he said. His name is Dennis Prager. He said, oh, I love John Paul II. You know, he mentioned that he died. He said, oh, I just love John Paul II. I just love John Paul II. I just love John Paul II. Of course, I don't believe anything he taught. Um, about a month ago, somebody called into a show. I don't listen to a show anymore, but I happened to be changing channels. I listened to him for a minute. Some guy called in there and uh, quoted something from the late 90s. I think it must have been Fides et Ratio, Faith and Reason, about the Muslims. And he said, who wrote that? He said, John Paul II. And he said, where do you find that? It looks like he's finally going to read something. It looks like he finally found something he agreed with. 
Um, but uh, friends, I can understand that Dennis Prager, he's a conservative, he, that's how he describes himself, as a conservative Jew. Uh, we cannot be Catholics and say, I love John Paul II, I just don't agree with anything he says. These topics that came up over the last week, you can find out what he taught and find lots of Bible verses and lots of uh, teachings over the 2,000 years in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. Just go to the back and look it up. It came out under John Paul II. And finally, don't forget the palms are back there, so if you want some palm, take it home. Again, if you drop the palm or if you drop anything that's been blessed, you pick it up and you kiss it because of the blessing it has in it. Let us stand.